Welcome to Sibling Cinema. I'm Dennis. The bodies. And we are here. Uh, what are we doing? We're counting down the best picture winners. Yes. From worst to best. <laughs> yes. Based on a system that is no business of yours. <laughs> right. But and we're into the top ten now. We are. We're yeah. doing today. Can I say what it is? Yes. Go for it. It's from 2019. Mm-hmm. This one has been on my list for a very long time. <laughs> yes, it has. You laughed at me. I don't oh. laugh. I don't ever laugh at you. Uh, roll the tapes. <laughs> that was no country from that. No, was it? Oh, yeah. well, you definitely laughed at that. Yeah. You said, oh, this actually did a lot better than No Country Film, then. Yeah. Yeah. Parasite so is, yeah. is the name of the movie mm-hmm. that we're doing today. Yes. Yep. So it's from 2019. I think I yes. said that. Yeah. Uh, from, I don't know what else to tell you. From South Korea. From South Korea, right? Yeah. It's the first foreign language movie to win yes. Best Picture Oscar. Yes. Okay. So, what's your history with Parasite? Uh, nothing. Okay. Yeah, you said before you'd never heard of it. Never heard of it. I, you told me that it was a Korean film or something. Yeah. So, I presume that it was South Korean, but... Yes, it's South does, Korean. Does North it's Korea even make movies? Yeah, I'm sure they do. I, I can't... I don't know what happens in North Korea, <laughs> really. I don't want to that's, that's part of the mystique. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I bet I mentioned it to you when when that came out, but you just didn't retain it. Probably. Um, what do you think I, that you said to me? Uh, well, when I when the movie came out, I actually saw it on a blind preview. Really. Which was. Um, yeah, what that is is I get, I just got an invite probably because I have memberships and stuff uh-huh. that um to that just said it's a screening of a movie that hasn't been released yet it's rated r in two hours and 13 minutes but you find out what it is at the screening oh, right? wow and so my oh, what i believe yeah that i never heard of that yeah well they gave surveys and stuff so i think the rationale is that you know if they announce the name of the movie, you're just going to attract people that already want to see that movie, and they kind of want to get the feedback of just a general audience. Okay. So, yeah, I, I literally went in blind. Have you done that for any other movies? Um. Yes. Okay. Yeah, nothing of... The others have been more or less forgettable, actually. Okay. Not this one. Okay, so, so you went into this feedback. one blind, yeah. and then do you yeah, give feedback really, there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I gave a lot of feedback. I was pretty blown away. Like, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't. Uh-huh. Um, I hadn't heard of it. I'm, it did win the top prize at the Cannes Film Festival already. So, I mean, I'm sure I heard it, you know, read stuff about that at the time, but just didn't retain the name. So, okay, yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't obviously. even like I wasn't even seeing it as a best picture contender. Or okay. But, yeah. And I've seen it several times since then. Okay. How many is several? Well, twice this week. Twice this week, which brought me to six. Six. Wow. So. Yeah. I was not even that old, so. No, 2019. Yeah. Remember 2019? Oh, my gosh. We thought it was so terrible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then we were like, silly us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this uh, movie actually won Best Picture in March of 2020, early March, and by the end of the month, everything was shut down. Oh, right. That, yeah. So this was 
A random yeah. in February. They, they they moved it earlier. Um, just kind of a fortunate coincidence. I think yeah. it was in February. It wasn't because obviously they right. made that decision part of advance of the yeah. pandemic. Uh, mm. At any rate, there were nine nominees that year. Okay. I wonder what can they you, were. Can you name them? No. <laughs> I didn't. You could. Uh, so let's go through the eight losers. Okay. Um, English language films, all of them. Oh, I have heard of this one. Yeah. Joker I was, saw this. Did I? Did you? I don't know. Joker um, was a really big hit. It's like kind of the I origin. saw the one with, what's his name, who died? Heath Ledger. Yeah. Yeah, The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. Very different movie. That's oh. like more of a traditional superhero movie. Kind of dark, but uh, this one's kind of in the style of like a Martin Scorsese, like um, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy. It plays on a lot of those movies, um, but it's kind of a gritty New York um, coming-of-age story as a, as a superhero origin story. Okay. Um, it was a huge hit and actually became the highest-grossing R-rated movie of all time. Really? Yeah. Okay. I really did not like it at all. Okay. Um, I just didn't, you know, I have thoughts on it. A, a lot of people thought it was really profound. I thought it was just kind of uh, shallow and just kind of imitating a lot of better movies. But I'm outvoted, you know, the, the people decide. The people and, decide. Okay. And the Academy decides. And that was in the top nine for okay. whatever reason. Uh, Jojo Rabbit was kind of a whimsical, whimsical um, Hitler movie. Uh, Hitler movie, yeah. <laughs> it's a like Hitler comedy. Youth or something. No, it's a comedy about this little kid in Germany in the late thirties who just imbibes all the propaganda about Hitler and his. He has his imaginary best friend is Hitler. Oh God! Played by Taika Waititi. Uh, so it's kind of an offbeat comedy that uh, I, I found that the dramatic elements actually worked a lot better than the, the comic parts seemed kind of trying too hard, at least for my taste, but I liked it better than Joker. Uh, Scarlett Johansson was in it as his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had a really terrific year because she's also in the year's number one movie, the Avengers Endgame. Oh, was this year as uh, of course Black Widow, and she was also in another Best Picture nominee. Yeah. Oh, um, I saw this one. Yeah, too. Marriage Story. She's also in that with Adam Driver, and it's basically the story of a divorce. It actually, yeah. at the time it came out, got a lot of comparisons to Kramer versus Kramer. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, which we podcasted about. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the good fights and yeah. good performances, and uh, I, I. Kind of really liked the movie. I what I really appreciated was that um, it's a very smart depiction of family law, like as a legal mm-hmm. profession. Okay. Uh, Laura Dern plays uh, her her attorney. Ray Liotta plays his attorney, and it just really does a great job of showing how like kind of a borderline amicable separation just becomes. So much worse just because yeah. of the the conflict inherent in the the system of yeah. uh, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, that, I forgot. Deciding that. the the fate of the kids and the finances and all of that. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari was also a okay. Best Picture nominee this year. Uh, a good dad's movie, I guess. It's about the. Uh, the true story of when Ford Motor Company decided to submit a car into the, uh, was it the Le Mans? Some sort Le of Mans. race. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was Le Mans, but then I'm starting to think that's what, that's like the childbirthing thing. That's Le Mans. <laughs> I don't know. I know the childbirth I, I, thing <laughs> is Le Mans. Yeah, I don't know. Le Mans maybe is the... <laughs> I don't know anything about childbirth or um, or car racing. I saw this movie. Um, yeah, this yeah, is uh, Matt, yeah Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Yeah, it, it's kind of a you know it's an underdog sports movie where the underdog is one of the largest corporations in the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh golly! <laughs> but you know it's. <laughs> You know, it's one of those movies. <laughs> that's what it is. Oh <laughs> and that's like part of its appeal is like, like they make you kind of care about the stakes for these right. unbelievably rich people. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, Little Women came out this year too, and Best Picture nominee, oh, the latest Meryl version Street. of. Yeah, Meryl Streep plays uh, the grandmother, oh, or the yeah. she was the rich aunt. Yeah, she wasn't my grandmother, but Marmy was played by Laura Dern again, who was also in Meryl okay. Streep. Sorry, Saoirse Ronan. Um, perhaps the best version of Little Women. Really, it's. Um, I mean, these are actually look like girls, where usually they're twenty somethings playing. Yeah, well, that's part of the Little Women story is, like, half of the novel is when they're young adults and half is in their childhood. Yeah. And so, really fascinating how they can just able to use the same actresses, but really it's a very effective job of, I think, making them seem young. Um, oh, is that Hermione? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, mm. Hermione plays the oldest sister. Yeah. Okay. Um, Special Ronan plays jo- Emma, jo- Emma Watson. Emma Watson, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet plays um, Laurie. Uh, but yeah, quite good. It's directed by Greta Gerwig. Oh, Barbie? Mm hmm. Yeah. So she does girl movies. She does girl movies. Her first movie was um, Lady Bird, which was a Best oh. Picture nominee in 2017. Okay, I didn't then see her that. second movie is Little but, Women, which, which is apparently not about Lady Bird Johnson. And it's not about Lady Bird Johnson, no. Yeah. Uh, her second movie is Little Women, which also gets a Best Picture nomination. Wow, good for her. And her third movie is Barbie, which wow. is a huge financial it is hit, and it is almost certainly going to get a Best Picture nomination. Wow, good for her. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, women, uh, women. What's the women go power? girl? Go, go girl. girl. Go girl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little woman's great. Did you see this version of Little Women? No, I did not. Okay. I didn't even know it Why came not? out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny because um, when it came out, there were some people on film Twitter grousing, oh, another version of Little Women. And then someone replied, 
Yeah. Since the last version of Little Women, there have been three Spider-Man 2s. <laughs> Which is kind of true, because like the Tobey Maguire series came out and had a sequel. And then uh-huh. the oh, gosh. Um, Andrew Garfield version uh-huh. came out and had a sequel. And then wow. the Tom Holland version came out and had a wow, sequel. So wow. there were actually three Spider-Man 2s. Wow, that's <laughs> crazy. Since the latest big screen adaptation of Little Women. Wow. So, but... You know, it's a man's world, so... It's a man's but, world. I learned yeah. that in Barbie. Yes. Yeah, you should be in your box, mm-hmm. by the way. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I should be in a box. Out. You should be over there with a horse. <laughs> like on Old Town Road? Oh, uh, that'd be yeah. <laughs> Once upon a... Speaking of Barbie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the latest Quentin Tarantino movie that stars um, Margot Robbie as mm-hmm. um, Sharon Tate. In this kind of reimagined version of Hollywood in 1969 during the Manson family um, events. Like, you mean murder or something? Yeah, I mean, the Manson family had a cults were kind of ingratiated in kind of the, the uh, fringes of. Hollywood and I, I don't know. All I know is Charles Manson is in prison for yeah. No, he's like a he, 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 yeah. He ran the Manson family. Uh, they actually his the his, his followers, his cult followers, actually did the killings. But yeah, really, he he, he arranged it all. He was oh. he's the cult leader. Oh, and they buried people. Or I don't really know anything about. They don't bury people. They don't. Anyway, anyway, you haven't seen one tonight on Tom and Holland. No, right? I yeah, didn't, and is, I don't know anything about the Manson family. I love this movie. This is, I think maybe one. Of, I think this is one of Quentin Tarantino's best movies. Um, it's just it, so the characters. It, it centers on uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as he's a fictional character put in this world who is okay. a, a kind of an uh, aging uh, cowboy star. Kind of okay. represents old Hollywood. His stunt double is played by Brad Pitt, and you're okay. kind of the buddies with kind of his old, old, old Hollywood values in in Hollywood that's kind of been taken over by hippie culture. And okay. it does such a great job, I think, in recreating that setting. Has some really tense scenes, and um, one of the Manson family members is played by Austin Butler, who's went on to be famous for playing Elvis in Elvis. Oh, I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, okay. starring, uh, DiCaprio and Pitt, uh-huh. and Margot Robbie. And Margot Robbie. Yes. Uh, The Irishman is Martin Scorsese's latest, uh-huh. um, at that time, and just a, a really long, very long, about <laughs> three, three and a half hours, um, crime movie about a, uh, a gangster who becomes infiltrated in the in the world of Jimmy Hoffa. Ever heard of him, labor leader? Yeah, played here by, Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, played here by Al Pacino. Who buried him, or there's some sort of... Yeah, okay, uh, he, he did get buried or hidden. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. This is, just, I think, an extraordinary movie, especially like the... It starts out very typical to other Martin Scorsese movies about 
organized crime and, and the machinations, but then really kind of hits you in that last half hour as we confront this man, Robert De Niro's character, at the end of his life. And um, it's, it's just very... Um, it's very wise in terms of the the effect of age and taking stock of one's life and what you've become. It's it's, it's just really, I think, extraordinary. Well, I think so. what would be... So this is a movie with both Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Yes. And I get them confused all the time. Okay. Yeah, so well, though... then that would be a good one to watch because then... Yeah. And maybe by the end I'd know the difference between them. Or I could watch The Godfather Part 2, which has them both. That, oh, it does. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you yes. go. Probably much younger. Yeah. So Much younger. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, I know him. Yeah. But is Robert De Niro the one on the left in this movie? No, he's in the middle. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Of the two. Of the two. Right, of the two. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's Robert De Niro. Yeah. We saw him in another Best Deer Hunter. The Deer Hunter. Yeah. And Al Pacino. We haven't seen Al Pacino in anything, have we? Since we started no. this. No, we haven't. All right. Two. They're both Italian. They're both Italian, yeah. Oh. And Joe Pesci. Yeah, so they'd be good in... Uh, why are they in a movie called The Irishman, then? Is Jimmy Hoffa The Irishman? Uh, no, Robert De Niro's character is an Irishman. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. At that, I feel like I started a movie, but it seemed violent. And... It is violent. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I really... the um... And there's violence at the beginning. I think maybe I turned it off. Okay. Well, once you get, like... Deep into the fourth hour, it really starts <laughs> clicking in. Uh, oh, I say that because I, I really liked this movie a lot. And uh-huh. It's one of my uh, favorite movies of the year. Okay, wow. So 2019 is shaping up to be a it's good year. It's a really year. good year, yeah. Okay. And finally we have 1917. Oh. World War you... I epic, which was the front runner for Best Picture that year. Ended up losing, spoiler alert, but... Yeah. Uh, this is a movie about a soldier in World War One in the trenches. Remember, uh, all quiet on the Western Front? Yeah. Um, and the movie's about he is given an order to deliver a message to a, uh, an officer and on another part of the front. A very important message and the movie kind of is filmed to resemble one continuous shot kind of like Birdman uh-huh. where there's no cuts and the movie just follows him on this journey a really fascinating techno technically like how they do it um, but you know it's a war movie okay. directed by Sam Mendes don't know oh you've seen one of his movies he also okay. He had won an Oscar for directing uh, American Beauty. Oh. Uh, yeah, this is much better. He was kind of favored to win again for this, but he did not. He did not? No. Oh. Anyway, so that's uh, 2019. Uh-huh. 
So, Bonnie, what is Parasite about? Oh, that's such a great poster. <laughs> Isn't it? So, Parasite is about this uh, poor family, this family mm-hmm. that's really on the margins. Yes. Two parents, uh, two teenage kids, I guess. Maybe one might be 20. I don't know. So. Young. Yeah, older teenager and a yeah. young adult. Yeah. And they, one by one, through a series of events, start working for this wealthy family. Yes. And, but they kind of, they don't, uh, once the first one gets in, then they kind of pave the way for the next one. And so pretty soon, they're they're all working for this wealthy family and... Anyway, and then it then it takes a turn, <laughs> then it shifts, but so really the this movie is a lot about sort of contrasting the you know the class difference mm-hmm. in class and all of that. But it it um, I don't know how much do you say about this movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what else. Yeah, to say. well, I, I mean, mean I it takes a different it turn. It does There's take a, a big turn. twist. Yes. You think you know what the parasite is, and then you find more it parasites. It really kind of shifts genres. It does shift Mid- genres. Yeah. It starts it out as almost like a screwball comedy. Yeah. Yeah, and, it certainly is a, a comedy. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, and you think it's going to stay a comedy, but then it becomes a thriller. <laughs> yes. And anyway, and then a lot of people die. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's one of those where, like, it takes a turn and... Gonna either be there for it or or not, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, what do you make of it? Yeah. So, well, I found it really interesting. Yeah. I I I liked the movie. Yes. Um, but Good. it was, you know, it's a, a certainly the first half. Yes. Is just a boatload of fun. Oh my gosh! It's so so terrific. It, it, it really is fun. And the other thing that I like about it is that. Has this really interesting, um, you know, how they use the. A lot of it is with stairs, but mm-hmm. it's this going down. Yes. So the, the rich people live, and going from their rich person's mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. to theirs is just you're descending down yes. and down and down, and they they have this also within the house, this hidden In, within staircase the, within both so, houses, right? Yeah, yeah, within both houses, you know, this hidden staircase kind of thing so that that was very um intriguing yeah it um, reminded me of dante oh yeah like yeah this descending uh-huh, into descending the into that yeah of hell and yeah the and they really you know so you've got all the worst of of everything down at the you know bottom yeah. in there you know just just very vulnerable to the you know, yeah, to, to yeah, the, everything to the rain to mm-hmm. you know things the that are impervious. Sewage. Yeah, exactly. It's the, just uh, um, fumigation. Yeah, so it it's kind of very. I don't know. I don't know if nihilistic is the its take I, on class struggle though is very. You know they basically have they start the poor people start 
turning on each other. Right. And I don't know. It's it's very it's a very um, hopeless view of class struggle. So you think it's so? yes, I think it's very hopeless view of class struggle. Especially because well, here's the chat. This yeah. is what I was <laughs> starting to say before we were at breakfast. Uh-huh. Is we watched It's a Wonderful Life, right. which also is very much about class struggle. Yeah. But it gives a um, a much more hopeful view. Right. So it's like this aspirational, whereas this is just like, we're all screwed anyway. <laughs> There's like no way you can right. fix this. It's It's almost Marxist and it's... I don't even know if it's uh, Marxist, yeah, but it, it's, yeah, it, it's it's got a very dismal view. I don't know. What is it? Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't call it dismal. I would say that it's, it's complicated. Um, well, first of all, I think it should acknowledge that the, uh, it is very much about uh, late stage capitalism. Yeah, right? In definitely. A, like taking place 80 yeah. or so years after It's a Wonderful Life. And it is uh, focused on income inequality, which, yeah. as I understand it, is particularly more severe in South Korea than it is it is here. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think that there is some hope in that, I mean, they, their unit is referred to as a semi-basement. Right, so it's not completely underground, but it's like even it starts off at their little sliver of a window mm-hmm. into the outside world. So they're kind of looking up into uh, a batter or into the like the real world or going yeah. up, and it is kind of a mountain that has to be climbed. But I think by the end, there is still kind of that. Uh, a sliver of hope because he can make a plan. <laughs> but his to plan do that is, is fanciful. It's right. it's like it's never gonna happen. Right. But you have the the value of that is this desire to come together and reconnect with family because that's yeah. what that's what you have, even though the system is kind of set up for the rich to get richer and yeah. for the people to stay at the bottom. It is also very much a movie about um, solidarity or the importance of solidarity because the it is kind of a rise and fall story, but uh-huh. the fall is very much precipitated by um, a failure to have solidarity with each other. Yeah. Right. With your fellow people in your class, but also within the family unit. Uh-huh. And so this family unit that we start off with in the beginning is separated at the end. So it is kind of a dark ending, but the hope, the sliver of hope is in this. You can always try to bring it back together. Yeah. So I... I was thinking in terms of like the father, the mm-hmm. poor father, right? The the downtrodden father. The father of the Kim family, or the father? Well, yeah, the guy in the basement. The we guy don't know the, that he's a father. No, no, I'm talking about the info, the driver. Right. Okay. The father yeah. who's the driver. What's his name? Mr. Kim. 
Mr. Kim. Okay, yeah. yeah. So he, when they were in the shelter, and he had, I should have reviewed mm-hmm. this before I came. <laughs> he gave this sort of his view on life, mm-hmm. which is basically, yeah. if you don't make a plan, you don't have to mm-hmm. worry about your plan going awry. Yeah. And that kind of shows, you know, what, I mean, they do have their plan go awry, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like if, you know, if you do that, it's like, don't get your hopes up too much because you'll mm-hmm. just, and then the son is, doesn't want to do that. Right. So right. the son is like, but no, but we need to have a plan and we're kind of with them. And then you get to the very end and then you, you see what the son's plan is. And at first you think this is what's happening. Yeah. And then you realize like, oh, this is just his. It's almost like a dream state. Yeah, it is a dream state, yeah. right? And then you realize like, oh, that's that's his plan. And the plan is, you know, it's yeah. like, well, I'm going to, you know, it's it's a very unrealistic plan. It now, is, he or does it's still... in, in purgatory. Or, I mean, it's it's very... There's a lot of different readings of it. Oh, what do you mean purga- his... how, how purgatory? You mean the well, father that, being if, in if purgatory? It's fanciful that, that what we see from the time he wakes up is actually real. Because uh, his injury looks very fatal when it happens. The sun. Oh. I mean, there was a lot of blood coming from his head. And the yeah, thing comes yeah, down yeah, right that's on true. Well, so, I was surprised that he yeah. lived through it. Right, yeah. Um, and then you see, just from his waking up scene, I think there is some ambiguity to it because okay. he says, okay, wake up to see a detective who doesn't really look like a detective and uh-huh. a doctor who doesn't really look like a doctor and all he can do is laugh. And so there's yeah. like, it's very, it's very strange. Like he's, he's not really experiencing things uh-huh. in a realistic manner. Right. He's kind of kind of climbs up on a mountain but Uh it's not it doesn't telegraph what it is so you know in terms of like you you think he might not have been alive when he's like they're doing the 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 letters yeah Yeah. well i don't i don't have a conclusion and i don't because i one of the things i appreciate i don't really see the movie as a treatise like it's saying this one thing and it's about decoding Bong Joon-ho's message but uh-huh. it's very much focused on these characters and what they're striving for they're striving to better their lives but also what you know because what it, it's it's very much a kind of a classic struggle between mm-hmm. want wants and needs like what they need yeah. is to come together and yeah. to have family or solidarity but what they want is wealth and that's yeah. what is driving them apart but i don't think it's it's <laughs> excuse me no problem I don't, I don't think it's necessarily trying to just telegraph a specific message about you know marxism or socialism right. or whatever yeah. late stage capitalism as much as it's just depicting people who are in this time in our history, right? Yeah. Or the history of South Korea, but I think it does relate to America. Yeah. Too. Um, 
But what really strikes me more so than what it, any message or what it all means is I was it made me think of this this quote I love from Alfred Hitchcock when he's getting uh, his uh, famous interview with Francois Truffaut, right, a French critic and filmmaker, and they're talking about Rear Window, and Hitchcock says, you know. I was just feeling very creative at the time. The batteries were well-charged. And I think that's something you see come through in in Rear Window, right? It's contrasted to Vertigo, which has like a lot of deeper, more serious subject matter. Rear Window, is, is, it's a masterpiece because everything is just working right and you can just see the creativity on the screen and something that could be like one of his mid-tier movies, story-wise, is just elevated to one of the best. And and I, I, that's just such a rare thing to see in art. And I'm just kind of watching this. The more times I watch this movie, I just see this creativity and this invention through every stage of it. Um, it just, it's, it's so beautifully made and, and put together and there's such care into how all of these elements uh, are kind of built up. And uh, I mean, I, I think the first half is really flawless and it does, it takes a real sharp turn, but every time I've come back to the movie, like I understand that second half more and appreciate it more than I have before, while still just thinking this, this first half is just almost symphonic in how smoothly it works from just, you know, setting up the, just at the very beginning, like, we understand what the title means, what, what the parasite is because of the, just using the Wi-Fi. Right. Oh yeah. Trying to we're we can't afford Wi-Fi, so we're trying to take yeah. it from someone else who right. who has it. Right. And that's just kind of built upon as the movie progresses and the stakes just get higher. We're also it it, it does kind of introduce very seamlessly the the need for solidarity with the you know there's kind of a funny exchange with the. The pizza boxes, which is just you know, kind yeah. of in this gig economy where they're trying to get any job, <laughs> where yeah. they're which like all four of them. It up? The father. The father was screwing yeah, it up. Yeah, because it's funny how she says it's twenty five percent. You know, there's four of them working together. There's yeah. one out of four is just not acceptable, and they all kind of look at yeah. the father, and then you just kind of see how they can kind of work together as a team because and and see how they're very different how they approach things. The uh, mother has a very um, no-nonsense confrontational um, tack that she takes with this pizza owner, which uh, uh-huh. is exacerbated later in the movie. It's important that we know how she deals uh-huh. with these situations compared to uh, Kevin or Kibu, the uh-huh. son, who is much more diplomatic and kind of like, uh-huh. hey, let's, let's figure something out here. And the... Uh, sister is uh, Jessica. It's a bit more 
underhanded, like she kind of knows all the gossip, the tea that, you know, you had this guy leave and so that we have some leverage here because the your guy ran off and now you have this big order from the church and like she knows all this stuff. <laughs> right, and so yeah, yeah. they kind of work together for mm-hmm. this small thing. And it's, um, yeah, so then the first half just kind of develops from there as they get better and better at their scheming. Like the consequences are also more and more severe more and more morally questionable, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, because the first infiltration with Kevin, you know, he does, they have a forgery, but he says, well, I don't really see it as a forgery because I'm just, I'm going to go to university. I'm just mm-hmm. printing it out early. And he right. does. That starts with the little stuff. Right, yeah. And he's and providing he's, a service. He's providing a service. He, he applies for a job that's right. open. and. Right. He's qualified to do the job, but right. just the only thing he has to cheat about is this almost kind of artificial construct that yeah. of the need for a diploma, which right. is just this kind of yeah. social construct for that one job to kind of weed out the undesirables. And, so, right. and yeah. then the next one, it's like, it's much more of a scam because Jessica is taking a job that she really doesn't doing anything and she's giving a service that's not promised but it's like yeah but what's what's the harm but but it's also a service that the wealthy mother is you know it's a you know she wants sort of art therapy Mm -hmm. so it it's like what is not to offend art therapists (laughs) but it is kind of this like you know, so she said yeah, she Googled sure she... art therapy and uh-huh. then she did it confidently <laughs> she and did. it's kind of working with this kid, she right? Does. So yeah. it, you know, she is BSing her way through right. this. Yeah. And so like yeah. I mean she's... Then the dad becomes the driver, but she's he actually scary. seems you know, he right. goes and he learns the But vehicle. that's more morally complicated because mm-hmm. they oust out the other driver. Yeah. Which is really the scheming daughter. Yeah. Um, so there's a victim there. He is kind of yeah. creepy, so it's like yeah. there's some gray area yeah. there. And then when you get to the situation with the mother, uh-huh. the, the victim is the most sympathetic so far. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just someone that we've seen as um, this impeccable housekeeper Yeah, is just, I mean, they're cruel to her. Yeah. But... By that point, they've gotten so good at their planning. I mean, that sequence is is magnificent. I mean, it's just almost so balletic in how Mm -hmm. every shot just tells you. It's it's like I could study it for hours. It's just this amazing seven-minute sequence where we have this montage where they're planning a trap and how it's... And kind of going back and forth with the execution, and then like the son coaching the father, like you're you're too far up here, you got to bring it down here. Yeah, it's just it's so it's almost, yeah. it's just exhilarating to watch. It's just yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, and it and you're like you're also you know I mean I was rooting for them so much. I know because you're really rooting for them, but it's like it, 
they kind of remind me of the Incredibles in a certain way, where everybody <laughs> has does. a different superpower, and yeah. when they all work together, it's great, but it's also that, you know, run fast, but not too fast, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, that's exactly. what you want, you know, it's like, don't, don't reach mm-hmm. for the moon, because you guys can just pull yourselves out of the squalor that you're yeah. in, and just bring yourself to the next level, mm-hmm. which is kind of the message that I... I get from George Bailey and it's a wonderful yeah. life is that realizing, you know, he always wanted all this grandeur, but then realized like, Oh, mm-hmm. but this just mm-hmm. regular life that you live yeah. of just, you know, making a living and making your surroundings better and working, a, you know, fighting against this, what is capitalism at that to keep from becoming yeah. late stage capitalism. Yeah. He he fights that battle. He does. Right? right. But he doesn't try to do more. He does. Right? And so here you see this family that is just like, oh no, you're just they like can't. becoming this late mm-hmm. stage capitalism. Yeah, exactly. I love yeah. the characters in this. This is fantastic. And that's what really I think grows on me about that second half. It's, I mean I've always really I've always really loved this movie since it came out and um you know what? What a movie to see! First of all, on a blind screen, yeah, yeah, where yeah. It's just like, oh, this is like a comedy. Okay, I'll yeah. See. Wow, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just had no idea. Yeah, um, the rich mom. She's fantastic. So good, so good, and she's great. Just when <laughs> the most gullible, the she, most. You know, they just are do such a good but job of showing, yeah. yeah, this this family, which is just like theirs: a mother, a father, a son, and a daughter. And they're the most mm-hmm. like, what did they do to deserve what they have? Yeah, right. They're not, you know, it's they mm-hmm. they didn't do anything. Right, they're just rich, right? Yeah, it and, looks like he's like playing with toys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, high rise, yeah, office. and they don't. He's not like this man of high moral character, it's not like they have this amazing marriage or anything. Mm-hmm. And she's just a twit, you know. I mean, she just uh, it's but hilariously it's so, she's so, so funny. funny, yeah. Like the way that they're able to, you know, that daughter, the way oh. the Kim daughter is able to. Just figure out this woman yeah. will believe. Oh my god! That's and just so this, um, uh, <laughs> sorry, Mrs. Parks' reaction when you know Jessica says what something happened to him in first grade or something, and then she just the scream she lets out yeah. when she realizes it. It's just it's so yeah, and I think the one of the reasons that the shift works is because while the the tone and the genre is so different it really does kind of carry through the similar themes because the when they get to this basement like the first kind of conflict is this plea for solidarity right this housekeeper um such a contrast first of all between her as housekeeper and her as like no longer having that position. She looks like a completely different person. Yeah, why'd they let her in? Uh, well, because she was just... uh, They shouldn't have let her in. 
Wow, you're you're like you're like Mrs. Kim. I mean, it's just like I wouldn't have answered yeah. that. Yeah, well, they were kind of like know what to do. Yeah, but yeah, she was persistent and um, uh, yeah, but her her plea is like, hey, as as a fellow worker, yeah. member of the working class, just yeah. we can work we can work something out, and mm-hmm. the movies kind of set it up so seamlessly where the the spokesperson for the family at that point is the kind of the worst one to be in charge or to have the lead at that point. Yeah. Because we've, we've gotten to know them so well. That, yeah. You know, she's not one to, yeah. you know, she's very much realistic. Yeah. You know, I mean, she's the one that has more of an, the most nihilistic kind of perspective yeah. on life. And it's like, okay, well, she's not the best one to negotiate this thing with. And that's where it just kind of all goes wrong. And it's just, it's it's just so, it's still so inventive the way everything is just kind of put together. Like when um, they're scrambling to get the uh, Ramdon made when the family comes back. It's, um, yeah. Such a like cat in a hat thing, but yeah, then, it is like a cat yeah. in a hat. It's something that you've seen a million times, uh-huh. but you're still like, oh my gosh, this is gonna. Yeah, but just so inventive in the staging too, because you have like this uh, kind of it's almost symphonic how everything kind of comes together with the the sun coming down from upstairs and the uh-huh. father coming back up from downstairs. They kind of meet in the middle but they're kind of like at the same time kind of scattering in like cockroaches yeah. scattering to for a hiding place but the, their movements have this kind of balletic quality to it too so it's like yeah. it's beautiful but it's kind of also evocative so that's that's like where I think of that Alfred Hitchcock quote is where just like every element is just like the most creative way to do what oh, it's doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm 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 a big fan. And the whole smell thing. Oh, it's it's yeah. great. That that you know that they he can just mm-hmm. you know no matter what Mister Kim does you know mm-hmm. he's doing a good job he's yeah. working, but it it doesn't it doesn't matter because he's always gonna be yeah where he came from because mm-hmm. he's got a. A smell to him. Yeah, he smells like poverty. He smells like poverty. Like a wet rag or whatever. He, yeah. You know, does. Yeah. Yeah, but boy, that sets him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, you have these very kind of repeated visuals. So it's, it, it, you know, he's not just the driver, but also like the personal shopper, too. Like yeah, assistant. Yeah, yeah. but like when they're at the top of their game, like during that montage, he's kind of leading her like almost like she's on a leash, like yeah. as they're going up up escalators and through yeah. a parking garage, she's following him and he's mm-hmm. like got the lead. And then afterwards, when she's preparing for the party, she's in front and he's just kind of back kind of slunched over holding all this like she's 
uh, picking stuff out from the groceries and just dumping it in his hands and he's yeah. just carrying her burden so you see like visually how it's he's you see the rise and the fall right? yeah well i think also uh, so it it becomes a lot about who has the power and the power yeah. keeps shifting right. right but it's all about who has the power mm-hmm. so uh, that's the part that i I don't know if Marxist is the right term, but that yeah. uh, sort of the, the, it's really, I don't know, is it modernism? Something where it's all about who has the power as opposed mm-hmm. to, and it's a wonderful life. Yeah. It kind of, it, it doesn't even worry about who has the power. It's about, you know, it, it, it lets Mr. Potter keep all the power. Yeah. Yeah, he wins and, basically. And it, he keeps and it, the money. Yeah, and it just um, ignores that part of it. It's like it's mm-hmm. not about the power. Whereas this is, it has this worldview still. Yeah. Whatever this worldview is, it's a worldview where power is the is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely has a very different worldview, and that's, you know, in a different culture and different time, then it's wonderful life, but... Yeah, I think that's what great art is not necessarily like a process of commuting, communicating a point of view that confirm, confirms yeah. my preconceptions, right. but it's just using art so that you, under, you just understand it in a way that you wouldn't if it's just like Bong Joon-Hong delivering a lecture on what I think is society but but it is um you know one of his uh previous movies um he actually had his previous two movies were both in english um snowpiercer and okja okay um but snowpiercer i actually just watched again and that's a movie that deals with a lot of the same themes of class struggle that's a post-apocalyptic thriller that's set <laughs> on it, it. Well, it's post-apocalyptic. It takes place after this kind of apocalypse, where in an attempt to fix global warming, uh, humanity um, kind of starts another ice age, right? Because like, <laughs> uh, I guess solve it by putting this chemical in the air, which. So, so the world is frozen except for this one train uh-huh. that's going around the globe, just constantly running, and the only survivors are, are on this perpetual motion train. But it's, as time has gone on, divided itself into class where all the poor people are at the uh-huh. back and the rich people are at the front. And the movie is about the poor people trying to get to the front. Okay. Right. Chris Evans stars as... as um, Captain America? Yeah. Well, not, he doesn't star as Captain America, obviously, but he's the lead character. Uh, but it deals with very similar scenes. It is a very good movie, but it's like it, it just doesn't have this spark of creativity that you mm-hmm. have here. It's okay. so much more rooted in the characters and... And what they're striving for and what they need rather mm-hmm. than just kind of, okay, the 
the movie is kind of about this mm-hmm. metaphor. Okay. Where I think the metaphor is very prominent here, but it is in service of the characters and their okay. development. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. I'm learning. Uh-huh. No, that's fine. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's really just a... I think it's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. But so is this what you would have voted for this year of good movies? Yes. You would have. Oh, okay. oh yeah. Even... I, I, uh, I think it's the best movie of the 21st century. Okay. I, wow. I mean, I think this would be very... Even the 2010s. You love the 2010s. Yeah, well, this is in the 2010s. No, I meant the year 2010. Oh, the year 2010, yeah. Yeah, I do love 2010. Um, yeah, I think True Grit was my favorite movie of that year. I, yeah, and I would... Definitely. I, okay. I actually... Um, yeah, well, let me watch this another couple uh, of times. I so. really loved it. I think it's my favorite movie so far, which is... Whoa, really? Yeah, I, and I hesitate to say that because, like... The last time I made, like, my all-time top ten, um, it happened when I was in my top ten. But I do kind of think I like this better. Okay. I mean, it's... They're they're so different. It's such a strange competition. But I I think it's, like... I don't know. Next time I do, like, my all-time top ten, I would consider this. I really just love every moment of it. Just it works better for me every time, and it's just—it's a really fascinating movie to talk about and to think about. Do you have any other com- comments? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, so did you pull up a limerick? Yes, I did. Oh no! You put yours in Korean. <laughs> Oh. I was going to put it in Morse code. <laughs> okay. In Seoul, a class, a tale of class divide, Parasite took viewers on a wild ride. Bong Joon-ho's creation won heart's admiration, a cinematic triumph worldwide. Okay. In Seoul, a class, a tale of class divide, Parasite took viewers on a wild ride. Bong Ho's creation, one heart's admiration, a cinematic triumph worldwide. So not terrible. Not I have terrible. no idea what yours says. Okay. Oh, I already like this. <laughs> okay, thank you. A, a poor family targets the wealthy with schemes innovative and stealthy. Their troubles compound when those underground emerge, bringing outcomes unhealthy. Oh, that's so fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank these you. have to be compiled and Yes. Maybe oh. one of our one of our listeners can do that for me. Yeah. I want to do that for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Parasite got six nominations. Okay. Um, kind of average overall, but very good for a foreign language movie. Uh, it was one of the only Best Picture winners, or one of the few Best Picture winners to get no acting nominations. Okay. Wow, there are some yeah. really good... Really these... good performances, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, but no, they were nominated. It won the really top 
three, or, well, one, okay. Best Picture Director, Original Screenplay, and um, International Feature Film. Okay. So, obviously, it's the only Best Picture winner to also win Best International Feature Film. Okay, yes. Yeah. really the only one. Right. Uh, lost Film Editing and Production Design. Uh, such a great job on that house. It's, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I really like the production design. Mm-hmm. Really... Um... Yeah, a big, uh, kind of a, a surprise, like, late in the year, 1917 really seemed like a big front runner, and it was winning the, a lot of the Guild Awards, but, um, yeah, once Bong Joon-ho won Best Director, it's like, oh, wow, okay, it's gonna win, and it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, like, going in, um, Parasite was beloved by, like, film Twitter. Oh, okay, It was, yeah. like... Oh, this is going to be, you know, leading up to the Oscars. It's like, 1917 is good, but this is going to be the one we look back on, like, 20 years later and say, oh, how could it have beaten Parasite? And then it was one, and everyone was happy, and then yeah. the country shut down. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Joaquin Phoenix became the second actor to win for playing the Joker. Joker. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I Renee Zellweger, Zell Zellweger. Zellweger. Yeah. What did yeah, she, she win won, for? She won for Judy. She played Judy Garland. Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah. She was fantastic. So good. It was yeah. Amazing as Judy yeah, yeah. Garland. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then and Laura Dern for Marriage Story as okay. the attorney. She attorney. Yeah. And then Brad Pitt for um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do you know what won Best Song that year? Uh, no. I do not. Do you? I do. Oh gosh. Can you name this tune? Oh no, no. I don't think you know the song. I don't. Well, that was Elton John with I'm Gonna Love Me Again from um, Rocket Man. Oh, I saw Rocket Man. Yeah. 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 So uh-huh. you at least heard that song. Anyways, uh, I'm Gonna Love Me Again is uh, from the Elton John musical uh, biopic. Uh, good movie, I thought. All right, so, so you had Parasite as eight. Yes, yeah, right. It got a lot of really good. It got a lot. So the lowest that it got was Slant at 22. So this yeah. really... Two number ones. I think these are our first wow. number ones that we've come across. Oh, they are the first number ones. Wow. Letterboxed and Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Ranked it as number one. Yeah. And I, I did, just as an experiment, I, um, I, I calculated what the rankings would be like if I didn't count bonus points at all. And it actually would have been third instead of tenth. Wow. So, yeah, uh, if you just look at the rankings. Um, do you know what movie benefited the most from bonus points on our whole list? Gone with the Wind? Um, no, how did that do? No, Midnight Cowboy was oh, 13 I slots definitely. higher. Yeah, I could see that. Then it would have been without bonus points. Oh, that would yeah. have been... Uh, 
somewhere around American Beauty. This was actually the movie Hurt the Mouse by bonus points. Cause it, yeah. Tenth instead of third, which kind of makes sense because it was not eligible for the AFI list. So I just kind of... That's pretty good for a new movie. Anyways, we only have nine movies left. I know. So, and I have Schindler's List, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, The Apartment, and Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. And now Parasite was on my list, but... Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have to put On the Waterfront because you've convinced wow. me that... Or maybe I'll do Godfather Part 2 or something. No, I'll just stick with On the Waterfront. No, I'll do Godfather Part 2. No, On the Waterfront. <laughs> Which one should I do? Which one should I do? I'll do Godfather Part 2 because that'll be fun. Okay. But you think it's going to be all about Eve. I have all about Eve on my list, yeah. Could be all about Eve, yeah. Yeah, it could be. Could be One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or Schindler's List. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. I'll I'll stick with All About Eve, actually. I I think that... I would say it's between All About Eve and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But it's hard to, you know, we're at... We're at the... It's just too hard. Yeah. It's too hard. Yeah, I mean, I'll do without one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Somebody yeah. saw us three left. Yeah, in the top I know. nine. Wow, crazy. But we'll see. I'd we'll love see. to watch um, all about Eve again. Oh, me too. Like, any of these, I'll, I'll watch. We'll all right. So now we're on number nine. Number nine, like the Beatles. Okay, it is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Uh, never seen it, right? No. Okay. Do you have any guess? You know what it's about? Uh, no. Okay. You only smell the setting? No. Okay. Well, cool. We'll be back next week. But what would you guess that it's about? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yes. One Flew East, One Flew West. I... One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, it's about southern racism. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. We'll be back uh, next week to see if this is another film about southern racism. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest.